0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. All right, well, uh, happy post Thanksgiving and pre Christmas. Um, this is kind of a, a different year because uh, we have a gap between Thanksgiving and Advent. And Mark used an interesting word at the beginning of the service. He said it was kind of a transition Sunday. And so I think a lot of us on staff and in worship planning were thinking of today kind of being that in between day. And so we, we, we prepared for that, you know, the way we always do, lots of good stuff, uh, worship, the Word, and all of that. But I, I was driving into work this morning, and, um, and so I'm praying. It's, you know, the 6 o'clock hour, and so I'm just praying and worshiping the Lord with, with a great playlist. And suddenly I get a completely different ending to my sermon And when I did, I went, oh, okay, God, what we thought was a transitional Sunday is going to be a different kind of Sunday. And I wasn't surprised to see the Lord just go before us in worship um, and just just move in the way he did. And so I want to pray for us. And um, I'll tell you up front, I'm just going to pray that today we would really have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to respond, because I don't think the Lord's done yet today. So um, hopefully that will whet your appetite for some more. Father, thank you for today. God, we love you. And we thank you that you're the living God. Um, Some of us grew up in religious contexts where uh, maybe everything was scripted. And Father, you're just good to honor the script when we even do that, when it's your word and worship. And yet, Lord, you you are the living God. And this thing is personal to you. This is personal. And you want to meet each person. You want to move on each person. And so, Lord, I, I love that what we would call a transitional Sunday uh, you would call a, a mountaintop of meeting with you. And so, God, we just open our hearts to you today. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we just welcome you through the richness of the proclamation of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends. Well, thank you to our pre-Advent service um, with Advent starting next week. And we say this every year, but in case you don't know, Advent is a very simple Uh, simple term. It just means the coming of something or someone important. Now, that's the general uh, definition of Advent. Everything changes, though, when you put a the in front of Advent, okay? Because when we're talking about the Advent, that marks the arrival of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth 2,000 years ago, okay? So, the Advent is the coming or the arrival of the most important person ever in human history whose coming changes everything for everyone forever, okay? I know, it's thrilling stuff, isn't it? But it's amazing, okay? So, So, something like that, a claim that big, ought to come with some evidence, okay? So this morning, I would like to submit into evidence as a testimony of Jesus Christ, the entire Old Testament to start with, okay? And yes, here's what I'm going to do. To be faithful to it, I'm going to read for you now the Old Testament in its entirety. Are y'all ready? Ready? Nathan and Noah on the, on the second row just said, yes, my dream has come true. No, I'm not going to do that, okay? But I do submit all 929 chapters of the, of the Old Testament, all 39 books, and in my wife's Bible, all 900 pages of the Old Testament. All right? Uh, we'll start off with scriptures. There are so many... Old Testament scriptures, and I mean from way, way back, all the way through, that tell us that Jesus Christ is the one, okay? I'll give give you a few of them. Like Genesis 3.15, the very first that jumps out, right after the fall of mankind, okay? And by the fall, I mean mankind fell away from God and we fell into sin, but right at that moment, God speaks to Eve and He makes a promise to her, and the promise is this, that a male descendant coming from her will one day crush the devil. Okay? He will destroy the devil and, and he will completely win out over evil. All right, that's the start in the Old Testament. We have Genesis 12:3, where we read that this coming one, this Advent figure, that this coming one will be an eternal blessing for all the nations. We have numbers, 24:/17, which says that a star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise in Israel. We've got Deuteronomy 18:15: This coming Messiah will be a prophet. And Psalm 72, he will also be a king. We've got Job thirty-three, twenty-three 23 through 28, where this Messiah is called both an angel of God and a mediator. Uh, we've got 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, he is the anointed one. 1 Samuel 2, 35 through 36, he is the faithful priest. We've got Psalm 69, 22, 16, 109, and 118, which all tell us that this coming one will be rejected, he will be betrayed, he will die, but he will be resurrected back to life. We've got Psalm 2, Psalm 68, Psalm 72, and Psalm 110, which tell us that he will come as conqueror and he will come as God's enthroned ruler and God's king. And you know what all those scriptures are? Those are all just appetizers, okay? Those are Old Testament appetizers. There are so many more scriptures in the Old Testament that prophesy. What does prophesy mean? They are telling us exactly What this anointed one, this advent one is going to be about years before He comes. Isaiah alone, 700 years before the Messiah comes. Here He is in full detail. And then we have all the Old Testament prophets. Now, the Old Testament prophets have a lot of different things to say. It's a lot of different action with the Old Testament prophets. But do you know what they are all doing in unison? Every Old Testament prophet is pointing they are pointing to Jesus Christ. They are pointing to the coming Messiah. Isaiah says in Psalm 17, 14 that the Messiah will be born of a virgin. He says in 53, 6 and 12 that he will suffer for the sins of the world. And then in 53, 9, Isaiah prophesies that he will be killed with wicked ones and he will be buried with the rich ones. How specific is that? Micah prophesies in 5.2 that the Messiah's birthplace will be Bethlehem, Bethlehem of all places. Um, he says in 3, one he alludes to John the Baptist who will come and he will be a forerunner of the Messiah. He will be the last prophet to come. Zechariah says in nine nine and 10 that he will enter Jerusalem as rejoicing crowds shout Hosanna. Uh, He also prophesies in 12.10 that the Messiah's side will later be pierced, which seems very obscure at the time until we have the cross, where what happens? The Messiah's side is pierced. David predicts in Psalm 69.25 that the Messiah will be betrayed by one of his own. But then Daniel says, and we're still waiting on this one, that he will return to earth a second time. In 713, and he will rule in the city of Jerusalem as the king of kings. And again, I could go a whole lot longer with a whole lot more prophets. But guys, all of these verses and all of these prophets through them, you know what we see about the Old Testament? That despite many themes in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all about Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why, not just because we're a Reformed church, but because we're a Christian church, that's why we don't leave the Old Testament behind. You know, we don't say, forget the old, let's go with the new. It's all about Jesus as well. All the people, all the places, all the events after Genesis 3.14 point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So in other words, the Old Testament stories, all of them are just telling us one story about our Lord. But here's the problem, a little problem. Then the Old Testament ends, okay? So it wraps up, and for a little while it's kind of like a blackout in World War II London. Suddenly, after all of this promise, after all of these prophets, after all of these scriptures pointing to Jesus, everything goes dark. It gets eerily quiet, and here's why. Because the Old Testament ends and the Messianic prophes- uh, the, the uh, Messianic promises, they're unfulfilled. Salvation is still out there. It's, it's out there in the wind. It's be- still beyond everybody's reach, beyond their fingertips. The promised child, Jesus Christ, has not come. The world that's waiting is still, it's, it's spiritually upside down. Abraham's uh, descendants still have no blessing. David's kingdom is over. It's lost. It's in danger of even being forgotten. The Old Testament ends, and the world lies waiting in spiritual weariness and darkness. But then we turn the page into the New Testament. We open up to Matthew's gospel, and you know what we get? The first 17 verses, we get, at last, a list of names, a long list of names, 42 generations, names from the ancient Near East, most of them we can barely pronounce, and the question is, why, Matthew, we're dying over here, we're we're parched, we're hungry, we're empty, the Messiah, oh, where is the? And you give us a bunch of names. And, and, and the question is, why? Well, here's the answer. The answer is because Matthew is the most Jewish gospel. Does that satisfy you? Of course it doesn't. But it is. Matthew is the most uh, a Jewish gospel. And listen, the, the reason is this. Because for the Jews, where somebody came from was a really, really big deal. It mattered very much to the Jews, especially when the one who's coming to you is the advent, you know, especially when this is the one who's supposed to save you from your sins. This is the one who's coming to to bring the kingdom of God. If this is the one who's going to govern God's people and lead us into the deepest relationship with God. And into the to the full worship of God, we got to know who he is. And so what Matthew's doing here is he is giving through this genealogy, and I know some of you are like me when I used to read this, I'm like, ah, oh, this is like reading a telephone book, but what he's doing is Matthew is giving us a testimony of Jesus. Okay? It's, it's a testimony, and it, this is the story of God's work in Jesus' family tree, the, the blessings, the calling of Jesus. And, and on one hand, what he's doing for the Jews is he's proving to the Jews that Jesus is one of them, you know, that he's from a pure Jewish bloodline for the most part. And so, so what Matthew does is he pulls back the curtain on Jesus' family tree, And as Jews, especially in that day, looked at this, what they realized as they looked at all of these names is that this is not a normal family tree. It's really not even an acceptable family tree. Much of it is abnormal. Much of it is, is highly unacceptable. And we do have, on the one hand of all these names listed here, we, we do have some spiritual all-stars. You know, we got some spiritual superstars on the family tree. We, 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 we've, we've just got some biblical all-stars in the lineup. Matthew writes a couple things about Jesus that ought to grab us very quickly, but uh, two things he writes is that, you know, Jesus is the son of Abraham, and he's the son of David. Now, here's what he's getting at. The son of Abraham means... Jesus Christ is a true Israelite. Boy, if you come from Abraham, you don't get any more Jewish than that. So so Jesus is the ideal Israelite, and it means that Jesus potentially, he potentially can deliver on all those promised blessings to all people. Son of David points to Jesus as a potential Messiah, that, that Jesus could be the rightful heir to Israel. Jesus could be the messianic king. So you put those two together, messianic king, son of David and son of Abraham, and what you have is Jesus could potentially be the focal point of all Jewish history. Jesus could be the one in whom the Jews will find all their meaning in life. And that is what Matthew is saying, by the way, through all these names he's saying to every Jew of that day, Jesus Christ is your destiny. Something else Matthew does, it's a little subtle, but I think it's cool enough to bring up, is that that, uh, Matthew also divides this genealogy into three different groups. And what he's doing is he's splitting it into three different time periods um, from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, and then from the exile all the way up to, to Jesus. Now, Here's what Matthew is doing by dividing up their history like this. Matthew is telling them that there has never been a time in their history when God has not been in complete control of the destiny of Israel. There, there has never been a time, even in the darkest times of their history, there's never been a time when God wasn't in perfect control. So, this is part of what we get on the one hand of Matthew's genealogy, and it's great, isn't it? But we have another problem, and the problem is this we got two hands, right? U- unless you are an octopus, you know, you got two hands. Um, see, if you're an octopus, you have no hands. Some of y'all thought I was going to say eight, but you have no hands at all. So, we have this other hand that Matthew presents to us, and the other hand is that he includes a few other people in the genealogy. Um, Most notably, Matthew includes some women, which is really strange in a Jewish family tree back in the day. Why? Because the the, the Jewish genealogies, uh, uh, the family trees, they were all filled with men back then you know, the patriarchs of the family. And so here Matthew has included women. And and while the audience is kind of trying to digest this first scandalous morsel, you know, and get it down, we get hit with another one. And it's that none of the, the four notable women that Matthew brings up, none of them are Jewish. You've got Ruth, who's from Moab. You've got Tamar, and uh, Rahab, who are from Canaan, and then you have Bathsheba, through, especially through, through her marriage, she's a Hittite. And then finally, there's the real showstopper with these women, and it's that three of them are connected to big-time sin. Big-time sin. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute so she could seduce Judah. Rahab was a prostitute, and Bathsheba was seduced by King David, who later killed her husband and then uh, fathered her child. Matthew has given each one of these women a limb on the family tree. And the question we got to ask, I mean, especially if we're Jewish back then, is why? Matthew, this is the genealogy of the Savior of the world. Why have you done this? Are you crazy? And the answer is no. Matthew is making the most glorious, wonderful point to anyone who will ever read this. And what he's saying is, look, on the one hand, while Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham and he is the son of David and he is the son of God, Jesus Christ is also the son of man. Jesus is also from flesh and blood. He is God, but He's also a human being. You know what that means in even plainer language? It means that Jesus is not just from the Jews and for the Jews. Jesus is also from the Gentiles, and He is for the Gentiles. And so what is Jesus going to do? Oh, Jesus is going to take His good news. He is going to take His good news that He has come to save. He's going to take it to the Jews, And he's going to take it to the Gentiles. Why is that? Because Jesus hasn't come to save some. He hasn't come to save an elect few. Jesus has come for everybody. He's come to save all. Jesus has come to rescue every sinner who will receive him. Why? Because this is what God does. It was the greatest revelation of my life. I was so lost so long ago when I discovered, you know what, God, Jesus got over over sin a long time ago on the cross. God's come to save. God's come to rescue. God has come to forgive, especially sinners who feel marginalized and on the outside and scandalized by sin. And so Matthew's point in his genealogy is this. Here is Jesus descended from priests, prophets, and Jews. Here is Jesus descended from patriarchs and kings. And all of his Jewish ancestors on there, those heavyweights we talked about, all of them stir up the most wonderful, ancient memories of what God has done. All of them, all of this superstar bloodline brings us incredible hope that every promise God ever made in Scripture will be fulfilled. Here is Jesus. And yet, on the other hand, here is Jesus, descended from prostitutes, Gentiles, and pagans. And every one of them now are forgiven sinners. And what that shows us is that every barrier between man and man, every barrier between God and man, it's going to crumble in Jesus Christ. Whether it's race, whether it's gender, even if it's sin, especially if it's sin. So in the end, what do we have? We have the Bible, one book telling us one story that culminates in one person, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prepares us for and it points us to Jesus. The New Testament reveals Him in His fullness, He is the one and the only one. John 1, verses 1 through 5, 9 and 14. In the beginning was Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son of God who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. This is what it's all about. Let me give you another truth. There's another truth that happens to us here, though, and it's that, li- it's that so often our lives jump the rails, and our lives go off course whenever we become about anything else other than Jesus Christ, the one who is life and the one who gives life. Sometimes... Something else happens to us along the way. Something else, as Shiloh alluded to, something else gets whispered to us. We believe something else. We become about a whole lot of other something else's besides Jesus Christ. Like anger, fear, death, darkness, addiction. What they said to me what they did to me, what, what happened to me at work yesterday, what, what happened at school, what happened in my home, what happened in my church. So often our lives become about all of that other stuff, all that stuff that happened, all about them. And then what happens? Life becomes all about me instead of Him. Sometimes the script is a little different with us. You know, sometimes it isn't that something bad happens to us. Sometimes what happens kind of feels sort of good. It kind of comes as a counterfeit light. And it's that sometimes in life we get full of something else. Um, And I'll pick the nicest word I can for it. We'll just call it pride today, okay? But somehow our lives become about, sometimes our lives become about my intellect, you know, uh, my career, my talents, my accomplishments, my goodness, my bank account. So often, life can become about all of that instead. And then the same thing happens, though. It ends up at the same dead end. Life then becomes all about me. But the truth, again, from all of Scripture and all of history is that real life is about none of that stuff Not all the stuff we gain, not all the stuff that happens to us. Again, it's John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that in Him, Jesus Christ is life. And that life is the light of all mankind. His light shines in our darkness, and our darkness cannot conquer His light. It can't overcome it. It can't quench it. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. Folks, Jesus Christ has come to set us free from everything else. All those something else's in our life, in our minds, all of those chains, Jesus Christ has come to set us free from all of it. To experience him, to encounter him, is to be set free. So here's what we're going to do this Advent season. We're going to do something a little different. Um... We are going to take a deep dive into freedom this Advent season. Um, Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, We are going to look at the familiar story of Christ's birth through the lens of freedom. We are going to focus on four ways in the four weeks of Advent, four ways that Jesus Christ comes to make us free, and we're going to call you and we're going to call me into that freedom, okay? So... Uh, there's a movement that started, just so you know, a few years ago with just a couple of churches. It's called the Advent Conspiracy, and what happened was, um, a few churches somewhere in the U.S. said, "Man, Advent has really gotten tired. Um, we are we have fallen into a rut." So they banded together to try and flip the script on Advent, and this has grown tremendously over the years. I just heard about it this year, so I'm going to introduce you to the Advent Conspiracy. And we'll take off with it next week. So if you will roll that film back there. It's only three minutes long. So for the next four weeks, we're going to see how Jesus Christ came to uh, set us free to worship fully, to spend less, to, to give more, and to love all. And I know uh, that may sound a lot like the KPC vision. <laughs> it basically is. So get ready for it. Um, but, but I just want to end with this. I want to say the reason we're doing this is, is not because Jesus is the reason for the season. That is not why we're doing the Advent Conspiracy. It's, uh, it's because Jesus is the reason for everything. Um, all of human history points to Him. Everything revolves around Him. Your life, my life, it only finds meaning in Him. And I'll go ahead and say this, life without Him is a waste. Some of us have lived that out. We know life without Him is a, is a waste. So, if, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you came in and you're like, not in relationship, today is a great day to just change that. Don't, don't leave here w- without Jesus Christ. Um, you know, let us share with you, if you, if, if you need to talk a little more, let, let us share our story. Let us pray with you. You don't need us, though. You can also receive Him right where you are. Come to Christ or come back to Christ. I think, though, that the truth of it is that most of, in this room, most of us in this room do know Jesus, but as we were talking about all those something else's, there's a whole lot of something else in our lives besides Jesus. I know this week I've been doing that just going, Lord, I see this something else. I see that something else. This is you or it's, it's just really polluted. And so we, Shiloh opened up the front earlier as a prophetic sign. She didn't know it. Uh, we opened up the, the, she invited you all to the front earlier and that was just a warm up for the end of the service. If, uh, if you're just, if you feel the need to walk away from those something else is why don't you do it physically, um, and, and let that unlock that for you spiritually. We're going to end in a worship song. Not a lot of wild fanfare. We're going to end in worship. We would invite you to come down front, and and just release anything else that's in the way, anything else that's got you a little darkened, a little down, anything that's got you distracted. Jesus Christ, He's everything. He is the one and the only. Apart from him, there, there really isn't much else. There really is nothing else. So why don't we enter in this Advent season? Let's kick it off a week before Advent by just saying, Lord, here we are, everything that we are. And the great thing about God is that he'll reorient that. You know, some of you will make a declaration. You'll come up front today. You'll leave it all behind. And by the end of the day, you might find out that you kind of slid back a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. The grace of God is in your life to work things out, to make you new. We are, we are being saved along the way. God is, Jesus has started a good work in us that, that he's going to perfect. Let this be a step in that direction, okay? Let me just, I'll say a quick prayer, and we'll just open the front. We'll worship, and then I'll close this out. Is that good, Shia and Hayden? Okay. Oh, God, we love you. And, Lord, I, I've wasted so much of my life being held back worrying about what somebody else thinks, um, trying to save face, to be strong, to keep my position. And uh, Lord God, the, the spiritual life is about surrender to you. Jesus, you are the one and the only. And we need you, period. We just need you. And so we now want to respond to you, Lord. We, we, we want to leave all of our idols, our fears, our worries, our baggage, our past behind us, and press on to what lies ahead, life and life abundant in you. God, make this be an an incredible Advent for us, just a season that begins the rest of our lives, a season that doesn't end um, New Year's Eve, but just that kicks off everything for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name. Thank you for these moments of worship. Holy Spirit, draw us up. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.